So I've been reading in Genesis the whole story of Joseph and something just jumped out at me today that I've never noticed before and it's that there's a whole story in there. It's the same thing but from the brother's perspective. I've never looked at it this way and you know I'm always telling people find yourself in the story but we we spend all our time focusing on Joseph. The main character of any story probably represents Jesus not you and the brothers are like a footnote in a big story and I think I can relate more to that. We'll get a little more on that later. But so let's give a, as short of a rundown as I can of these guys' story. That they've got this kid brother they can't stand. He runs his mouth a lot, makes them nuts. And to the point that one day they see him coming like, you know what, let's kill him. One guy says, no, 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 don't kill him. Throw him in this hole over here. They do that. Then they sit down and have a picnic around the hole, it seems. Just listening to him scream. Uh, you know, typical big brother kind of stuff. And, but then one guy speaks up when he sees some traders going by and says, hey, we can make money on this deal. Let's sell him. And so they do. They sell him off into slavery. They go home and give their dad this story of like, hey, we found this code. Isn't that Joseph's? Oh my gosh, what happened? And just let it go. And Joseph goes through the story that, you know, if you went to Sunday school, you know his story. Or if you watched a Disney movie that, you know, he's, he's a slave, then he's in prison, and then he's pulled out of prison to interpret Pharaoh's dream and suddenly becomes second in command of the most powerful nation on the planet. So, you know, Joseph is number two of the world. And a few years later, in this famine, the brothers come down to Egypt to buy food. They have no idea that they're going to Joseph, but Joseph immediately recognizes them. And, but from their perspective, scary Egyptian guy immediately accuses them of being spies, throws them all in prison for three days. They don't think they're ever going to get back out. But three days later, he pulls them out and says, you know what, I'm going to keep one of you. You guys can take food home to your families, but if you ever want anything back, if you ever want anything else from me, if you want to get this brother that I'm keeping back, then you need to bring your youngest brother back here with you. I'm not sure what test he's doing. Joseph knows who they are. He probably knows they're not really spying out the land of Egypt, but he probably also wonders what they may have done to his other brother because as bad as they treated him, is Benjamin even still around or are they lying? Who knows? But he sends them on home, does this whole thing where he gives them their money back secretly and that just scares them even more when they find it. They're like, oh no, God is tricking us and punishing us for what we did to Joseph, which tells you that that's been eating at them for a while. And they get back, they talk to their dad who is mad at them for letting the Egyptian know that they even had a kid brother and refuses to let Benjamin go down until they run out of food again. And Judah, the same guy whose idea it was to sell Joseph, Judah's the one that speaks up and says, dad, you gotta let me go and you gotta let me take Benjamin. I will take full responsibility if anything happens to him, if I don't bring him back to you, you know, let me be cursed forever, but we've gotta go get more food or we're just all gonna die. Jacob finally gives in, they go. They get back to Egypt and you know, they're already afraid that they're gonna be viewed as thieves because they left with their money and food last time. And they get back and the guy's like, no, 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 we got your money, I don't know what happened. And maybe that guy knew, didn't know, I don't know. But they get taken directly into Joseph's house, which scares the living daylights out of him because this is not protocol for how you buy food. But they get in there and they're like trying to give him gifts and butter him up and impress him. And he throws a feast and they, they all eat with him. And they still don't know what's going on. And then they buy more food, they leave. Joseph again puts their money back with them. But this time he also frames them for stealing his silver cup, specifically frames Benjamin. When the Egyptians catch up and find that with Benjamin, Judah comes back to scary Egyptian guy. Doesn't know yet that it's his brother. 
and goes to him and just falls down pleading with him. He's like, look, you gotta hear me out on this. It took everything to get my dad to let that kid come at all. And if I show up back home without him, my dad is gonna drop dead. And please don't make me go back and watch that happen. Let me stay here and be your slave, but please, I'm begging you, let the kid go. That's when Joseph reveals himself. I don't know if Joseph thought that was gonna help. I'm pretty sure all that did was scare them more because now scary Egyptian mean guy is also that brother that we were so horrible to and probably wants us dead. So they're utterly freaking out, but Joseph convinces them, guys, this famine's only gonna get worse. You gotta go get everybody, bring them back to Egypt. I can take care of you here. And they do. Somehow he manages to convince them of that. And so they get to go home and now have a really awkward conversation with their dad. They must be like, hey, that kid of yours who's been dead for 20 years, yeah, he's in Egypt. And do they finally have to come clean and say, yeah, that was our fault. We're the ones who sold him. Or do they just go, oh my goodness, it's Joseph. What are the odds? Who knew? Bible doesn't say. Weird. But somehow they eventually go back. And even that's a big thing because, you know, the Bible lists out and names 70 people who go with them. And, but that's not counting all of the servants that they had because you read other stories. These guys had a lot of servants and they had massive herds of livestock. So Jacob moves a small town from Canaan to Egypt. And all of this is, you know, completely putting everything in Joseph's hands. The guy who they haven't spoken to in 20 years, they don't know what the status might be. You know, maybe he hates them, it, whatever but they go and trust him. They trust him to the point that when they show up in Egypt, they, Jesus gives them this whole plot and he's like, here's what we're gonna do. You guys are completely dependent on Pharaoh for taking care of you. So when I introduce you to Pharaoh, I want you to tell him that you're the thing he can't stand in the planet, okay? Egyptians hate shepherds, so tell him you're a shepherd. That's what's gonna be our best play. And they go along with that, they do it. And this story is just crazy to me. My favorite thing is just that this story has been here all this time and I've never seen it before. I love that. I love that the Bible always has new things because you know I've been nerding out on this for decades and it's still, I'm going, oh my gosh, look at that. Um, but I keep telling people, you don't have to be the big nerd like me. Like you don't have to be some in-depth theologian and study Greek and Hebrew and ancient cultures to read the Bible. Like all you have to do is read and say, look, these are real people. This is real stories of real people. and. We always say to find yourself in the story, and it's like, no, I'm not Joseph, but I am a lot more like this side character who maybe I did some things that I I regret and wish I hadn't done, and somebody has to figure out how to forgive me for what I've done. And maybe I'm just a footnote in the big story that God's doing, and I'm a background character who, when it comes right down to it, my contribution to the story is some not so great things I did. And then I had kids and moved on with my life and you know, the history that takes place after me. Because that I think we can relate to. That I see in the Bible, this is God working through real people and he's still doing it. I am a part of a thousand other stories. A thousand other people are a part of my story. No story happens by itself. That's the lesson that I just found today.